Welcome to the Monday Morning Phone Call Podcast. This is your host, Paul Joslin. Every preacher knows when they're teetering on the edge of a topic that will result in receiving a phone call on Monday morning. Instead of backing away from those topics, this podcast exists to work through these polarizing ideas and spark conversation. There are few topics more polarizing in our current context than politics. On the second season of the Monday Morning Phone Call, we've been spending our time discussing about how to navigate our polarized political landscape. We live in a country where our gospel identity is challenged by our political system, and we've been conversing about how we navigate this tension and remain true to identity in Christ. On this episode, Larry and I have a conversation about the recent election. It's about a week after November 3rd, uh, and our conversation centers around the question, are you okay? Uh, We've just come through a heated and polarized uh, several months. We know emotions are running high, and our purpose in this discussion today is to hopefully provide a pastoral voice for the recent events of the 2020 election cycle and provide space to process everything we just journeyed through. We hope it's a helpful conversation on another episode of the Monday Morning Phone Call. So, Larry, um, we are about a week out after the election when we're recording this. Um, a lot has happened since November 3rd. Uh, what has kind of surprised you in the last week and a half, everything concerning politics and things we've been talking through over the last month? Yeah. Uh, that's, I've been thinking about that, Paul. I, I don't think I was surprised, and uh-huh. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I know <laughs> we had talked, we were hoping for a blowout either way. Either right. one side would be uh, a decisive winner, but that didn't happen, and so... Things are lingering yeah, as we speak now. Absolutely. But yeah, I think the word that I've come up with, and I think it's an actual word. I've heard it before, but the word bleary mm. is kind of how I'm feeling, mm-hmm. which is a combination of bored and weary <laughs> with the whole thing. <laughs> I think that's fair. I yeah. think there's a number of people who probably resonate with that. Yeah. And yeah, I think that was, honestly, that was kind of the surprise for me was that I, I was, I, I told you this, that I was just praying for a landslide one way or the other, right. make the winner clear. Um, and if anything, we've got anything but that going on. And, right. and um, a lot of people are in debate over what happened in the election and um, a lot of frustration from the process. And yeah. so it. I think I, a lot of people were hopeful that on November 3rd, we would finish the election and it would yeah. be over and we could move on. And it seems like this is going to be an ongoing conversation yeah. uh, moving forward. Yeah. So I think bleariness is appropriate. Bleary. I, I will say this, so Paul, I, you know, I've been checking Facebook and just mm kind of taking a pulse of friends and yeah. family and everything. And some of the words I've seen on there are, are like, I feel numb mm. or I feel defeated. Um, so, you know, it, it's been hard. Yeah, it's been absolutely. hard for many. Others, uh, the other words I've seen a lot are relieved mm. or um, glad it's over yeah. kind of uh, sentiment. So yep. uh, probably a spectrum of where people are feeling. Yeah, I think... Obviously, some related to, you know, how you voted. Absolutely. For sure. Um, and then, you know, whether or not that lined up with how you voted. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Feelings flowing out of that. Yeah. I think one of the, the things along those lines, I, I've seen a number of, of people posting, and um, I'll just say they, they tend to be on the left, and they've expressed um, an unwillingness to, to uh, at least express unity towards the other side, or why is that the tone that mm-hmm. – um, Joe Biden has started trying to take because they didn't experience that. And, and so it, yeah. I think just this frustration of, of people, and I, I think I've seen this at the last several elections, the side that wins does not want to mm-hmm. um, 
give ground they or went, went their pound of flesh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's the tone, I think, of our politics is really mm-hmm. just uh, wearisome right now for me. And I think a lot yeah. of people feel that too. Yeah. Um, just kind of frustrated that, uh, yeah, we're, we're so divided yeah. and frustrated with one another. And I will say this, and this could maybe be a lesson every two years to four years as often as we need it. What's been helpful is doing these podcasts with you. (laughs) (laughs) That was like two hours of processing that I was able to do before the election. It really helped. It does. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully it's helpful for you listening at home and as we kind of process through this too. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do think, you know, we've come through a season where it feels very divided. Uh, People have had a lot of uh, emotion invested in the last few months. Um, It's a very polarizing time. Uh, People feel very strong. Uh, with everything we've just gone through. And so I think one of the challenges that you and I have talked about as, as pastors working in the church is um, how do you preach and, and love people that are all over the spectrum of how they're feeling in this? Some people who yeah. are elated uh, yeah. over their, their person winning, some people who are devastated at the loss. And so um, pastorally, what has that kind of been like? Or, or what would you maybe say to people who are feeling those two different ends of the spectrum? Yeah. Um, I, I would say some of it, especially if you're on the side that is kind of numb and, Mm. um, defeated, um, it's, it's maybe a good time to even think about what's going on in your world in terms of grief. Mm. Are you grieving? And if you are feeling a sense of loss and grieving, Mm. and this just didn't go the way that you wanted and related feelings there of worry Mm. and anxiety, all understandable, Mm -hmm. um, yet, my, my encouragement would be um, do some of the things that help when, when you're in grief. And that's, um, I think, some Sabbath where you pull away. Uh, I would encourage you to turn off the news and get mm. away from some of the, uh, even, even though things are still in limbo, take a break um, from some of that constant um, feeding of yeah. the, even at the after election yeah. Aftermath. Um, yeah. So take a break. Get some Sabbaths. Some uh, the word Sabbath is the idea of cease, mm. uh, stop. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then I think the other important thing is to fight for some perspective mm. on that. So I know for me, uh, that's uh, praying the Psalms yeah. is helpful. Even when you stop, grab your Bible and read a Psalm out loud. Mm. See what words are resonating with where your spirit and yeah. heart are. Um, the spirit will prompt your mind mm. to for some things to pray, some people to pray for. Um, so uh, the praying the psalms. The other thing I, I think is just if if you can get out with some people, yeah, um, friends, Absolutely. community, yep, and uh, even you know hopefully it's close enough that maybe you could even share some of what you're feeling mm-hmm. with them and find a kindred spirit, so yeah. to speak. No, I think yeah. that's really well said and, and important for, for all of us. I, you know, as you were talking about Sabbath, the, the term that always comes to mind with Sabbath, and I've, I've shared this before, but uh, in Genesis 1, when God takes Sabbath um, after creating, it, it's literally he's taking a breath. He's catching his breath. And there's sometimes we come through seasons where we just need to catch our breath a little bit. Yeah. Uh, information's been coming so fast, so heavy, so constant. Uh, it's hard to know what to believe, where to believe. And, and yeah, if you can just take a breath, Step outside of that, interact with real people mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of, mm-hmm. you know, Fox News or CNN right. or, yeah, yeah um, I think that's important so, for all of us. Yeah. So. And I would say one other thing, Paul, is what, what can I learn from this? I mean, mm. there's a place to ask, why am I feeling numb? Yeah. Why am I feeling defeated? Um, how, you know, 
disordered loves here. Was I loving yeah. uh, and wanting it too much or right. whatever? I mean, take a pulse on that as well. I think that's a great, yeah. great thought. And I think that actually kind of segues into, so our, our topic, our theme for today is, are, are you doing okay? Because yeah. I think both sides, <laughs> yeah. even if you yeah, want, I think there's that experience yeah. of exhaustion and, and relief and everything in between. But uh, as we've talked about this and, and what we could maybe uh, talk about post-election, um, w- we have a couple of thoughts on on maybe why people are feeling some of the ways that they're feeling. And so one of the things I know you brought up uh, in our production meeting was uh, we, we have to have a, a little bit of a, a broader view of history. Yeah. Can you just say a little bit more about yeah. what that means? Yeah. So two things about that. One is I think a broader view of history brings some perspective in what I would call the way of Ecclesiastes, mm. that there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. We've been here before. So I, I shared this earlier with you, Paul, there's uh, Barry Hankins is a professor of history at Baylor, uh-huh. and he started an article out this way, um, and I think I might have used it in a sermon a while okay. back, but he says, uh, one of the most famous preachers in America defended a president accused of corruption. Mm. He called the investigation, not a witch hunt, but a damnable rot. Wow. <laughs> the president had engaged in multiple extra, extramarital affairs. He cheated on his mistress with another younger uh, mistress with whom he was rumored to have a child. Some of the president's closest advisors and cabinet members were convicted and sent to prison. Well, we all know, of course, this was the Roaring Twenties, <laughs> 1920s, when Warring Harding was president, right. <laughs> a Baptist not, never, nonetheless, uh-huh. who died before the scandals came to light and wow. before the famous preacher Billy Sunday felt the need to defend him. Mm-hmm. But that just jumped at me a little bit and saying, yeah, this there's nothing new going on right. here. And yeah. uh, we've had, you know, rough times, turbulent times yeah, in our political history in America mm-hmm. before, for goodness sake, many times. Yeah. I mean, and we've been divided before. Right. Yeah. I mean, past. you know, I, I've heard from a number of people, they're just so grieved at how divided we are. We've never yeah. been more, more divided as a, as a country and as a people. And I just try to gently remind them that <laughs> our country fought a civil war, <laughs> that, that we were so divided, we, we yeah. chose to kill one another. Um, you know, and uh, we're not in that place. And so there is a lot of, of tension. There's a lot of uh, high emotion. And yet at the same time, um, yeah, we're not in a place where, where we're fighting one another yeah. and, and taking lives over our disagreements. So yeah. I would love to see more unity. I'd love to see people find common ground. And we'll talk a little bit more about mm-hmm. that. But um, yeah, that, that perspective of history, this yeah. is not the darkest time it's, our country has been through. It's not. Yeah, it's not. So there's the past part of the history, but I think there's another piece for for believers, and that's about the the future. That history's not just one thing after another. Absolutely, it's not yeah. uh, just random events mm-hmm. moving in circles. Uh, history has a goal, absolutely, uh, a direction. Mm-hmm. A, there's a climax uh, of a future restored kingdom, yeah. and you know, Paul said that no eye has seen, no ear has heard right. the things that God has in store for those who who love Him. Heading uh, history is heading towards a recreation, mm-hmm. uh, the likes of which the prophets in their poetry tried to give voice to in yeah. such beauty. In fact, so I'll, I'll read some of, from Isaiah 65. Yeah. 
uh, Isaiah the prophet says, uh, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Mm. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. And I will create Jerusalem to be a delight mm. and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And it goes on and mm. has the famous uh, passage of the wolf and the lamb yeah. uh, will feed together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. The dust will be the serpent's food, and they will neither harm nor destroy on my holy mountain, says the Lord. Wow. So this is what awaits us. Yeah. And But I, the idea is that this has already broken into our present. Right. This future vision is now, um, pro, it's proleptic, right? The idea right. of being proleptic is the idea of something in the future is so sure to happen that you can say it now in the present tense. Wow. It's like yeah. when my boys were young, uh, they, I won't say which one, but one of them always <laughs> used to like run a little bit late and we'd okay. be downstairs at the foot of the stairs saying, come on, come on. And I used to say, I'm in the car, I'm in the car waiting, but I wasn't really in the car. And my other son would say, dad, you're not really in the car. And I went, I'm speaking proleptically here. <laughs> it's so sure that it's a, it's, it's in the present happen. tense. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and so. I'm sure for your, your seven or eight year old son, they, they got that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So that, yeah. that's, that's history. And that, mm-hmm. that, that's the end of history, Absolutely. but it's been inaugurated by Jesus right. uh, when he came the first time yep. and um, unleashed it uh, yeah. on the loose here yeah. in our present. Absolutely. And I think that is, that's so important because we can tend to have a, a very myopic view of the moment we live in. Yeah. Um, we can be very narcissistic about the moment we live in, that this moment is the most important moment in all of human history and, and um, can, can really self-center uh, our narratives around this moment we live in. It's normal, but we have to have that biblical perspective yeah. that Jesus is King, He is Lord, that history is not being written by who sits uh, in the White House, but yeah. by uh, who sits on the throne of heaven. And so, yeah, um, yeah that's where our, our hope has to lie. In, yeah. um, and what I would say too, Paul, is that's, that vision of the future now in our present pulling us through history is always what's driven the church. Right. John Ortberg uh, it's, it talks about um, having uh, a scholar named N.T. Wright speak at his church a while back. And N.T. Wright says that through the lens of history, um, N.T. Wright reminded us that in the early centuries of the church, its finest years were when it was marginalized in the right. life of the Roman Empire. When it got cozy with Rome is when it became, and became identified with the empire, is when things went south in a hurry. Mm. But uh, then he says, that's a warning for the church in America. Mm. The gospel of the early church was, among other things, a deliberate in-your-face to the empire. Pretty cheeky when you remember that the church had a few thousand ragged cohorts and the empire ruled 65 million hearts. It was pretty clear which horse to bet on. Mm. But here we are 2,000 years later. And we give our children names like Peter and Paul and Phoebe, and we call our dogs Caesar and Nero. <laughs> These gospel words of the early church 
about resurrection were politically loaded, but they were not to be co-opted, and they are to stand above every human party mm-hmm. and candidate and political platform. Absolutely. And that's what compels us. Absolutely. Uh, historically. Absolutely. And the, the um, I think the implication of that then too is you know um america one day will go the way of rome yeah that that the the kingdom that we're a part of this empire that we live in this great nation uh will not last for eternity Mm -hmm. but the church and the kingdom of god does and so we have to have that view of history that the the movement that we are a part of of following jesus uh, into his kingdom seeing his kingdom brought to earth outlasts any nation uh, that that ever comes about on the face of the earth, and, right. and um, really is a part of, of bringing those nations down and overturning them, and and mm-hmm. and flipping this world upside down. And yeah. so, when we start to mix up those priorities, it can get pretty convoluted, and our message can get off. And yeah. Um, yeah it can be be difficult for us to know how to handle that, which I think uh, kind of ties a little bit into, I know one of the things we wanted to talk about was how we feel about uh, this uh, last election. Um, some of that ties in with our priorities of following Jesus. And, yeah. and we just, you know, I think where we'd like to start with that is that there were uh, a lot of Christians who voted very differently. Um, I think some of the exit polling is still really early, but it looks like it's going to, uh, the if you take into account all of the different demographics of, of Bible believing Christians, um, white evangelicals, black evangelicals, Catholic, that, that the church is very divided yeah. over how it voted. Um, and, and so believers following Jesus came to very different conclusions about how to, and their worldviews informed by that. And so we just want to talk a little bit about... Um, that's okay. Yeah. People can disagree. Yeah. Divided or diverse. Yeah, yeah. What's, right. What's... Yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, part of that is... I think then whether you would be divided or diverse is your attitude towards your brothers and sisters in Christ right. who maybe voted yeah, differently absolutely. than you, either on issues or candidates. Absolutely. Um, so that's uh, that's been the challenge. We've been talking a lot about this mm-hmm. over uh, on these podcasts and even in some of our messages, messages yeah. at, at Waterstone. Yeah. And I think to to maybe try to represent um, what I would say both sides. There was an article that was posted in Christianity mm-hmm. Today. We'll um, link to that in the podcast notes. Um, but it talks about kind of the two views: um, the more conservative view, the more liberal voting person, and how they see the kingdom of God. So the more conservative Christian or follower of Jesus uh, sees the kingdom of God, uh, the end toward which we strive, as a world in which men and women are free to follow their faith. Life is held as sacred from conception to death. Families can raise their children in biblical truth. Churches take the lead in charity. Government provides a stable order for flourishing and meaningful enterprise. Members of this party uh, are concerned with foreign and economic policy, but especially compelled to support the present administration for its stances on life and family. Uh, In their view... Failing to vote Republican empowers the party that protects the appalling abortion regime and the advances sexual ethic that leads to immense confusion and suffering. Um, so that kind of encapsulates the the worldview of, of someone who would probably vote for uh, our former president. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like how he summarizes the, the other view uh, and worldview. He says the kingdom in this view 
is also sacred, um, but not to be confused with winning elections and passing laws. Uh, It is not a political dispensation or social order. It is not a kingdom of this world. Instead, the kingdom breaks into time and space when men and women sent by the king seek the lost and serve the least. The kingdom of heaven is among us when we speak the gospel in word and deed, serve the homeless and the refugee, and come alongside our suffering neighbors. For this element of the church, the kingdom of God is less about the acquisition of power than the divestment of power, laying down our rights and privileges as Christ did in order to serve the powerless. Mm -hmm. In other words, Christendom is not the kingdom, and representing Christendom is not the same as representing Christ. The kingdom of heaven is not about the sword, but about the cup, not about defending ourselves, but about dying to ourselves. I thought that yeah. very fairly summarized the two views that I've, I've most held. And in a very charitable way, we yeah. can often present our opponents in the least charitable yeah. light. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important for us to understand that people on both sides uh, really voted their conscience in a lot of ways around these things and have some merits in mm-hmm. how they see how the election played out. Yeah. And I think trying to see that perspective is what can lead towards some charity Absolutely. in how sisters and brothers in Christ with differing political views can continue in relationship. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and um, so uh, it's that striving to see the other person's point of view. Yeah, absolutely. It's in view. And I think that's so important because when I think when we can't do that, that's when politics has become an idol. Yeah. That's when politics is, has, you know, become a disordered love and we've placed too much emphasis. If we can't even understand why the other side would vote the way they, they would, um, that's where I think we get into trouble. Because ultimately, we should all be aligned under the, the kingdom of God, um, Christ's headship. Implications of that we may see differently, uh, but it doesn't invalidate the concerns or the reasons why people voted the way they did. Yep, yep. agreed. So, um, you know, along those lines with the uh, the idolization of politics, I just have to confess that I've, I've talked a lot in both messages and on the podcast about, you know, we can't be tied up in the election and who wins. And <laughs> I was sick last week and I had to quarantine because we thought my family had COVID. And I spent way too much time on CNN and Fox News. I tried to watch both <laughs> to just kind of see what everyone's yeah. saying. But, um, yeah, I would turn it on in the morning and turn it on way too late at night. <laughs> the concerning thing about that was that the people I was watching, uh, I don't know when they slept they were right. there was the same people for the entire day they, they, they have overtime <laughs> they do that. yeah but um i i did find myself and I, i'm assuming a number of people kind of feel wrapped up in that 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 uh, as we watch the numbers tick and and move different directions that people were pretty glued in and and very concerned about the uh, the outcome of what was taking place yeah. Yeah. um and i think for me that was a space where i thought uh, this is probably boarding a little bit more towards idolatry mm. than I, I'm, I'm too wrapped up in this so yeah. Yeah. Um, just a little confession from one of your pastors. <laughs> you feel better now. <laughs> a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to turn this into the confession podcast. <laughs> but, uh, you know, considering all those things, so so it's important for Christians to have a, a historical view, um, a broader perspective on what God might be doing in the world. We have to be careful not to, to demonize the other side or, or make this whole process a, a place of idolatry. How would you love to see the church, in particular, we're, we're talking to mostly Waterstone people, but yeah. how would you love to see Waterstone people move forward mm-hmm. um, 
post-election. Yeah, I think the first thing, at the risk of being uh, like overly simplistic, but I think the first thing, and based on the New Testament instruction through the apostles, would be pray. Mm. Pray. It's just uh, um, rather astounding to see how Paul and Peter both encourage believers to pray. And we always remind people uh, when we preach this um, that, you know, we live in a very favorable government situation. Right. The early, our earliest brothers and sisters lived under Roman dictators right. named Nero right. and uh, Caesar. So um, they still encourage prayer as, an, yeah. as the first instinct. Uh, so I just yeah. wanted to read First Timothy 2, 1 to 2. It says, that, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people for kings and all those in authority, that we may live quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and holiness. Mm-hmm. So prayer is is the instinct uh, of Christians. Yeah. Um, and so I think that certainly is a starting point. Uh, I, th- I think it's it's and, and even prayer for um, politicians and perhaps people on the other side of the aisle that we don't even care for. Yeah. I, I'm convinced of this. It's harder to dislike someone that you pray for regularly. Absolutely. Um, it yeah, does that's melt so uh, some of the hostility yep. in between. Yeah. So I would encourage that. I, I know of one uh, friend who, uh, when Trump was first elected in 2016, was so distraught, but I think had this amazing response where for, I don't know how long they did it, the first few weeks, they actually set their alarm daily Mm. uh, to stop and pray for President Trump uh, in those first days, uh, Mm. even though it wasn't um, the candidate that she was particularly... Yeah, I I do think that's so important. And what I, again, social media, it's a bad litmus test, but uh, I do see, you know, the several elections that I've been paying attention to, it seems to be the the side that wins says, hey, pray for our our person. And the side that loses tends to say, hey, uh, I have trouble doing that. And so I... I understand that impulse. Uh, it doesn't change the mandate that we're to, to pray for our leaders. And as you mm-hmm. said, um, I think if the the if I have the timing right, the, that letter to Timothy and calling to pray for the the leaders and the emperors and the kings were the people who eventually killed Paul. Um, yep. And so there's the the call that Paul places on us is way higher than what we have to face because you said mm-hmm. it's a very favorable favorable situation for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Along those lines, I. Praying for someone and supporting them yep. does not equal the same thing. And so right. one of the things I've kind of wrestled with is that I, I think uh, we are called as Christians and believers to support uh, whoever's in power, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of whether or not we voted for them in the places that we can, in the places yep. where we see uh, them uh, being proponents uh, mm-hmm. for human flourishing, where we see them upholding things that we would claim are biblical values. Uh, but we also have to be a, a party of opposition and yep. oppose them where we must and where they don't align with our beliefs. And yeah. that should be true of, of whoever's in power Correct. on whichever side. Um, we, yeah. we don't get to pick and choose those places. And so um, we've talked a lot about that on this podcast, that, that that Christians need to be the people that can speak truth to power. Yeah. And, and Prophetic conscious. Yeah, yeah, of our culture that we're in. And so yeah. I think that's a really important thing. We, we pray for that's our right. leaders. We don't have to support every decision they that's make. Right. Um, and in that's fact, right. shouldn't and yep. oppose them where, where we must. Yep. So. Yep. The other thing I would add is, both Paul in Romans 13 and Peter in 1 Peter 2 talking about another response we should have no matter who is in uh, leadership is to be, again, 
with your caveat, as uh, unless they push against the mm-hmm. kingdom beliefs that we have right. and the gospel freedom that we have, um, but we should be model citizens. Yeah, we should uh, practice what both Peter and Paul called submission Absolutely. to authorities. Just yep. Peter writes here in chapter two, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so hmm. he goes on, what does that look like? Verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, hmm. whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. And he goes on there, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Hmm. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Hmm. So um, being, uh, um, uh, God is pro-government. I mean, God has ordained government. He is not thrilled with every leader, uh, right. and and people we have the freedom to elect leaders, mm-hmm. um, but yet he uh, ordains government to help keep peaceable conditions yeah. so that we can live lives of uh, quiet and peace, um, so the gospel mm. can can flourish. And so God is pro government. I don't believe he's ordained a particular form of government. Yeah. Um, and yet, uh, as soon as human beings start assuming. They're in a position to announce God's political leanings. That's when things get dicey <laughs> for us. Yeah. But Fair. I yeah. think all in all, uh, pray and then give honor uh, by being model citizens. Yeah. Um, and, and again, unless they um, work against the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what I love about that, too, is that, that Paul really, he works down the hierarchy. Yeah. So we, we place so much emphasis and so much importance on the president and yes. that one seat. And yet um, there's a mandate there for local magistrates, mm-hmm. for governors, for people and local yeah. authority over sin. Yeah. And I think that's one place uh, Christians have all often missed the mark as far as engagement with politics. And mm-hmm. those those areas, local government, there are actually a lot of levers to be mm-hmm. pulled there in those spaces to see kingdom flourishing come. Yep. And, and engagement there is so much more important than checking a box Agreed. or, or, or yeah. coloring in a bubble once every four years for the person that aligns with our views more yep. closely. That's why, Paul, I think one of the, you know, Waterstone, we talk about the three rhythms. And mm-hmm. one of our rhythms is what we call restore, mm-hmm. which is to see God's kingdom invade the brokenness of human systems. And yeah. one of those is government. Um, and so we've been very intentional mm. to cultivate relationships with yep. our county officials in Jefferson yeah. County, with Jefferson County Human Services, mm-hmm. with uh, government officials in yeah. Jefferson County. Yep. Even, um, I mean, current with the COVID situation. Right. Yeah, it's we've been ongoing been, dialogue. It's been ongoing dialogue, and we've been very conscientious to yeah. be submissive. Right. We call it, why? Because... We do not believe that the authorities are trying to shut churches down mm-hmm. or work against the gospel. We right. do believe they have the best interests of human health yeah. uh, in mind. And so as far as possible, yep. we're working to cooperate with them. Absolutely. So, and and in a lot of the conversations we've had around that with uh, leadership and elders has, has gone back to the reputation yes. that we have with our, our local county That's officials. Right. And our, our yep. we've worked very hard to, to develop those relationships mm-hmm. over the years and don't want to damage them 
wisdom exactly. uh, in this moment of crisis. And yep. so we have been um, on the side of, of caution and support and submission in those areas because, as you just read from Paul, um, if we live that way among the pagans, hopefully it shines a light on on who Christ is, yep. um, which I think is, is really important. Yep. One more thing I'd yeah. add then, Paul. So we've talked about prayer. We've talked about submission to yeah. government authorities. The third thing I'd say is... Uh, those two things, and then we worship. Yeah. And what I mean by that is our highest allegiance is always mm-hmm. Jesus is mm-hmm. Lord. And um, that's that's what we uh, keeps us centered and focused, mm-hmm. even though the politics may not have gone our way. Right. Jesus is Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, you know, the politics uh, shifts by the day. The, yep. There's, you know, different information. Yet what we keep coming back to uh, throughout really all of these podcasts is that ultimately our hope has to be be found in Jesus and that um, no matter what happens moving forward with the, the different um, debates around who won the election and no matter what the next election looks like and no matter who is in the Senate, Jesus is Lord Jesus over all of those things. And um, I think it's a place for us as we, we move forward. It's important for us to check where our anxiety comes from, mm-hmm. to, to take a moment to, as you just said earlier, to evaluate why we're grieving in certain places. Mm-hmm. Um ask why we feel relief about um, certain outcomes. And and the caveat with all of that is that uh, politics has very real and practical implications. Who is in power does affect our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so there's room for all of those experiences and expressions and feelings. Um, and yet... Um, are those the ones driving us, or can we come back to the to the rest and relief that Jesus is Lord, no matter who um, wins the presidency and how that may make us feel? Yeah. What so. one more thing I'd say? Yeah. Also, prayer, model citizens, uh, worship, and then um, the. W- what uh, back to that article I read from the Baylor professor? Mm. He calls it inconspicuous kingdom work. Oh, okay. it's really Tell back to our calling. <laughs> yeah, that we're we're citizens of heaven. So he tells the story in the 1920s when all that chaos was oh. going on in the government. He talks about uh, there was a shoe salesman by the name of Dwight L. Moody <laughs> who uh, began the what he called the Moody Network, and they hit the streets with good news of redemption in Christ, mm. and they began running what they called this novel idea. Sunday school, uh, and uh, wow. began you know with with children, and then the parents would get involved and so mm. forth, and this began to really significantly change the city of Chicago wow. and spread out from there. They also began at what they called um, evangelistic. Uh, preaching and traditional hymn singing mm. uh, in public places, and which became Sunday night services. Wow! Um, and all that began around that time. And then this was interesting. Uh, Hankin, Barry Hankins goes on to say, those were the white evangelicals. What also happened in the 20s is the African-American Christians in the 1920s streamed from the rural south to the urban northeast and Midwest in search of industrial jobs huh. as part of the Great Migration. And as they did, they brought Southern evangelicalism and uh, various holiness traditions, including Pentecostalism, with them. So while whites <laughs> stuck to traditional hymns, African-American churches experienced their own worship wars <laughs> over black gospel music. And this began the era of Thomas Dorsey, the father of black gospel, and his wow. young soloist, Mahalia Jackson. Wow. And we all know that Mahalia Jackson was uh, Martin Luther King's soloist. At yeah. most every speech he gave, he'd wow. have Mahalia Jackson sing. So if anything, black evangelicals, 
uh, we're working largely behind the scenes to gather souls for the kingdom hmm. and uh, the gospel uh, spread. And that wow. that's still why we're here right? and what we're to be about. And what I love about that is that it takes us back to where we started this conversation, the, the historical perspective, the, the kingdom lens through which we see history in that this political event was a catalyst mm. for the explosion of the good news that Jesus is Lord um, and in multiple different avenues yeah. uh, for the church and for culture yeah. and society, which is... It, it, that's, I think, what I would love to see the church do is, is have the imagination mm-hmm. to see where God might be at work and whatever the circumstances are for the advancement of his kingdom yep. so that we could yep. join him. Yep. Um, because ultimately, that's why we're here, yep. not to elect a certain official. Exactly. So, Making disciples, yeah. not policies. Absolutely. But let me say one more thing, too. Yeah. I, I know for many um, you know, uh, Republicans, yeah. uh, Republican believers, that what was very disappointing was, uh, you know, that Trump lost the election, Proposition 115 right, got defeated passed. here in Colorado yeah. about late-term abortions. Mm-hmm. Very discouraging yeah. uh, and disappointing. But yet, uh, I would remind us that our call to that is still to work um, against right. uh, abortions. And and I'm more convinced than ever that the way to do that is not going to be through politics yeah. and legislation. Mm-hmm. I always think that's important and we need to be involved in those issues and uh, some believers uh, even vocationally yeah. getting involved with politics at that level. But I'm convinced that the way to work against abortion is to get upstream. Yeah, And that's why um, I was reading in Scandalous Witness this book by Lee Camp that I'd really recommend on yeah. the Christians and politics. But he, he writes in there that uh, various studies have shown that actually abortions decrease in America during Democratic mm. president. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason is because there's more money available to get upstream of the abortion issue and through Planned Parenthood, yeah. through other places that I know Christians have had issues with in right. the past. But the fact is getting that education and even contraceptives mm-hmm. to people, and we could have probably a whole podcast <laughs> on this particular discussion. Right. But if you can get upstream and get to individuals mm-hmm. and even get to hearts with the gospel, yeah. that's the way to work the abortion absolutely yeah it's not going to happen through legislative power right and that's where so often at waterstone we do talk about systems and how um yes they're made up of individuals but uh, these things play out because of the way that that we treat women and the the ways that we've um pigeonholed them into certain categories and stereotypes and um you know uh, yeah it's 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 got to be a much broader approach than again just checking a box once every two or four years um Christians are, are called to engage with the work uh, always mm-hmm. for those issues that we think um, line up with biblical values. And so how do we empower women? How yeah. do we provide more opportunities uh, for them to have um, sustainable income and for their families and, and yes. you know, all of those things that you mentioned as well? Yep. It, it's a We know the levers are there, and we can see the results of, of how different um, levers we pull actually produce the results we're looking for, mm-hmm. um, and yet... Sometimes we just want to trust the government um, and we abdicate that responsibility. And so I think, you know, as we've talked a lot about politics, it it would be we can really ramp up our engagement, you know, those weeks leading up to the election. But I think our hope would be that that engagement would continue, that it it wouldn't just end. Yeah, with the ballot box. Right. Yeah. It doesn't end with the ballot box and that. 
you know, I think the the important thing um, along those lines is that that Christians cannot just engage with issues uh, when they're the hot button issue, when they're the ones that are on the forefront. We have yeah. to be people that care about these things, regardless of how yeah. the culture. That's right. Uh, fades. Showing God's heart. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Yep. Yeah. So I know that um, as we kind of maybe wrap up here, yeah. this conversation about are you okay, uh, you shared with me earlier an email you got a few years ago. Yeah. I think it was after the first... Uh, <laughs> the, uh, it was after Obama was, was elected, elected okay. president. Yeah, yeah, a good friend here at Waterstone uh, sent me this, and uh, I, I thought it was very timely. Yeah. Uh, I was going through, to prepare for this podcast, going through my file, and I kept this. Uh, it, it starts out, I, don't, I do not deny the importance of this election, but it seems to me that we need a dose of perspective. So here, uh, after this election, I would like to start my own email concerning this election. It's a true and false test, and I'd like for all of us to take it. Mm. True-false. The day after the election, regardless of who wins, Jesus will still be king. Mm. True-false. The day after the election, regardless of who wins, our responsibilities as Christians will not have changed mm. one iota. Mm. True-false. The day after the election, regardless of who wins, the greatest agent for social change in America will still be winning the hearts and minds of women and men through the gospel, mm. not legislation. True-false. The day after the election, regardless of who wins, my primary citizenship will still be in this order. Number one, the kingdom of God. Mm. Number two, America, mm. not vice versa. Mm. Number, uh, the next true-false, the day after the election, regardless of who wins, the tomb will still be empty. Mm. The day after the mm. election, regardless of who wins, the cross, not the government, will be our salvation. Mm. True-false, the day after the election, regardless of who wins, our children will still be more concerned with whether or not we spend time with them than with who is president. The day after the election, regardless of who wins, my neighbor will still be my neighbor, and loving him or her will still be the second greatest commandment. You remember the first. <laughs> and then true-false, it says, the day after the election, regardless of who wins, the only way to see abortion ultimately overturned will be winning men and women to a high view of life through the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. True, false, the day after the election, regardless of who wins, <laughs> my retirement will still not match my treasure in heaven. Mm. And then lastly, uh, true, false, the day after the election, regardless of who wins, we will still know that God is in control. Wow. So I thought Amen. that was a timely word. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think that's a, a great place to, to wrap it up. And hopefully those questions uh, could even prompt some some reflection for, for people who are listening and engaging with this conversation. I think um, those are, are great questions for us to think through uh, as we, we process everything going on in politics right now. So awesome. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Monday Morning Phone Call podcast. We hope that this show will spark conversation and that you would even share this episode with a friend. During our conversation today, we mentioned ways that you can get involved with issues and events beyond the election. And one thing that we'd love for you to know about is that in the spring, we will be offering a four-week Justice in Action course that covers some of the topics we've discussed in this season of the Monday Morning Phone Call. So be on the lookout for that. It's a great way to get further involved. This podcast is hosted by me, Paul Joslin, and today's show was edited and mixed by Phil Nelson, produced by Emily Kloss, 
and the graphic was designed by Lane Gerkink. Special thanks to Larry for joining us and giving a pastoral perspective on the political uh, journey that we just came through. This is the last episode of season two, and we'll be back for another season after the holidays. In the meantime, feel free to submit questions or ideas for conversations and topics that you would like uh, for us to talk about. You can submit those on our Facebook page or Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Monday Morning Phone Call.